I'm talking to you, sassy girl. Need a little ah in your step? Try this on for size. It's pop. It tastes great. It makes you feel kind of funny. Not here. Not down there. But all up in this area. Talking pop. Jennifer Smith. I am here with the Virgo to my Libra, Tim Capel. How are you, Tim? Uh, I'm okay. Um, are those two signs like meant to be complimentary or are they antagonistic in some way? Um, I'm, I'm unsure, but I, judging from our relationship, I would say they would probably be pretty tight. Mm, yeah. So Libra is the scales, right? Yes. We are very much about fairness and balance in our lives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I know jack shit about virgos what do y'all know for uh being virgins That's oh it. well obviously <laughs> very virginal as as you know accurate to to literally uh, me i just looked it um, up virgo and libra compatibility it says while these two make a great friendship pair they might not feel a romantic or sexual connection hmm imagine <laughs> weird and people say that the zodiac is bullshit right yeah don't put too much stock in it i guess we can form um, a very satisfying and intellectual bond for as long as they respect each other's feelings which i feel like we also always do to be honest i don't think virgos really are compatible romantically or sexually with anyone anyone they're just kind no. of out there okay no. and on that Libra is for everyone so Libras are for everyone. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think we're going to be bringing in a fellow Virgo who okay. maybe will dispute what I just said. But uh, I don't know. Um, this is the show, the podcast that is barely a podcast, Jenny. Um, <laughs> listened by tens of fans around the world. Um, where sometimes we interview uh special guests who are friends of ours that live in the northeast so this is gonna be one of those episodes jenny i can't wait i it's been too long I'm all very right excited. so let's bring them on who have we got in our third seat all right tonight um you might know him from i like heart with keithy and uh, many other shows across the North South connection, um, including one of our shows, uh, Exposition, an X Men podcast. He's often joins us there. His name is Keith Langston. How are you, Keithy? Uh, I just want to say that uh, as a Virgo who's probably been re virginized by this point, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what we're well known Relatable. for. So, 
relatable. It's very relatable. Yes, hi. It's been so long that you might as well like. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's like a distant memory at this point. Hi, how are you guys? I'm so excited to hear from you both. Yeah, we're excited to hear from you and to have yeah. you on our show. Thank you. Um, I'm honored. You are. Um, I, I think one of the most quickly absorbed friends into our friends group. If I'm being honest, um, because yeah. uh, quickly, but also it took a while for some reason. Like it took a while. You were gate kept by one no. Peter Winson, and yeah. uh, and well, then we and I, discovered you, and then we stole you. Yeah, I mean, and I, it's funny because I think back to uh, it's just been over a little bit over a year now, and you know the, the way it kind of developed was pete texted me one night and said i can't do a place to be nation on a uh saturday night's main event can you do it and i said sure and then you he and he said oh and my friend jenny wants to watch a horror movie with you would you be mm -hmm. interested and i said sure and so you and i recorded freak out driving where we watched basket case and mm -hmm. basically pissed ourselves the whole fucking movie we because, did. Of, because of how dumb it is and i remember when i said it to you you were like oh, i haven't seen that movie in years and i was like oh good and we watched it we enjoyed it we laughed and then i think like the wet like the next week you and i were on the saturday night's main event place to be and you were already like sold i feel like and then jt was just like yeah we'll just put your name on everything and then i got blasted on and I just yep. started acting like a whore and just being on everybody's show. Yeah, and, and that's similar to what happened to me um, when I discovered podcast. It is too. sure. No, you know? So I, um, I, I like that. I love that for you. And yeah, you, I love you. You dove real. in with both feet and were super and excited and accommodating and everything sure. that you could possibly be so you're you're like a perfect addition oh, to our you. little I, family oh well i appreciate that it makes me feel you have no idea how may, that makes me feel it makes me feel so welcomed and and accepted and you know i it was something that was missing for a very long time and i'm being totally serious like it was something really i like one of the biggest regrets that i have and i don't have a lot regrets i have a few but one of the regrets we'll get I had, right was when I was in college, I had, when I went on my like college tour of Salem State, I did tour the radio station and I had a conversation with the student DJ and I said like, what's the deal with the DJ? And he went, well, usually you have to start interning like a three to six in the morning shift. And then by like sophomore, junior year, you'll get your own show. And I was like, that just seems like a lot of pointless work. <laughs> I was like, so I, I didn't. It does. Right. And. So I kind of was, that was something that I wanted to really do because I enjoy the idea of like audio and even video of just like talking, like basically what podcasting is or what DJing would have been and things like that. So, you know, that's a big regret that I never followed up on that. So this is kind of like my second chance almost of being able to do some, some creative shit like this. So, yeah. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Also, yeah, and I would agree. Most easily absorbed, assimilated, if you will, into the group since Jenny, probably. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, that's good company yeah. to keep. And I, I love your uh, podcast, uh, which is kind of not dissimilar from this one, True. except it's just you and a co-host. Um, whereas we have always been a duo on Talk and Pop, and I've done um, you with you. And but yeah, that is. Jenny. 
a la carte is a a with keithy is a must listen for me every time it drops i will say oh thank Which, you oh. that is not true of of most podcasts i'm kind of like oh cool new episode is out i'll get to it but i i really do look forward to those and i'm not just saying thank that. you no i wouldn't I, say it otherwise no i well thank you i appreciate it and that is that's huge for me like just to know that people are listening to as i like to say my brand of nonsense it's great just because <laughs> It is. I that's my my goal in life is to always make somebody laugh. And I, I tell Pete because I do GFA live with Pete every week. And I tell Peter Winston, I said, if I can get you to pop once per show, it makes my whole fucking week. It really Aww, does. And, no, but it's just and sometimes I get him and he always goes, oh, you son of a bitch. He goes, you got me. And I'm like, yep. And it's all and, and a lot of times it's not even it's just such a bad joke. It's like such a stupid thing. But I get them, so yeah, I do. So, um, in the course of our friendship, um, <laughs> I'm just going to get into it. Um, okay. One of the things that you have talked about um, with oh, much regularity is your mother. <laughs> I had yeah. some questions in this realm as well. Okay, yes. by all means, fire away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find your relationship with your mother to be interesting. It's um, extremely, yes. Now, look, I, I'm from the South, and I always thought that that Southern, like, nice thing was, like, a myth, sort of, or, like, a stereotype. I don't, I don't know, but, like, maybe it's real, because, like, I cannot imagine, like, the type of relationship you have with your mother with my Southern mother. <laughs> Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Well, it depends. Is your southern mother a lot like George Costanza's mother? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, then because the, she's then, a southern mother. Right. The relationship would be completely different then. I mean, yeah. that's the first thing I will explain is, and I like to say George Costanza's mother. Somebody one time compared my mother to um uh was it Doris Roberts who was Raymond's mother? I think it's Doris okay, Roberts. Yes. And I went, mm, no, she's not yeah. Raymond's mother. The only thing. Because she, the only thing that she does that Raymond's mother does is kind of like is condescending at times, you know, like my mother will always say like, oh, you look like, you know what, you look like you lost so much, you lost a little weight. I really wish you'd work on your chin though, you know, like your chin. <laughs> God. And How do just, you work on your chin though? I don't know. Doing the kegels for the face. I don't fucking yeah, know. Face kegels. I, right. Yeah. But and, and so that's the only thing that my mother does. That's like Raymond's mother. Other than that, my mother is a sh she's a short little Italian woman. She's a spitfire. Uh, I always say I had a I had a manager one time say, oh, don't mind me. I have a mouth like a truck driver. And I said, well, I am the truck driver. And my mother taught the class. I go, my mother, <laughs> you know. I told I think I think on the first phone call I had with you guys I told you the story about your sister's twat yes. and how <laughs> it's it and it's we, and it, we might need to hear that yeah, yeah we and might it need has, to hear that again and it, yeah. well all right so this was just how things worked growing up in my house my mother cooked every night you know she was a good american you know housewife and mother and stuff like that so she cooked a you know home 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 cooked meal every night and every night the same thing would happen we had all of our tupperware in the same cabinet as our pots and pans. And every night my mother would go to put away the leftovers and she would go into the cabinet and pull out the leftovers and you'd hear all the pots and pans fall. <laughs> and it'd be like this loud banging and clanging in the kitchen. 
And then my mother would just scream at the top of the lungs, yes, it's this twat! Like that. Because <laughs> she had to put away all the all the pots and pans oh, and all the Tupperware that fell out. And and I re and so the first time that I brought my ex-wife to meet my mother for dinner, I had already told my ex-wife about this several times. And I said, you're going to hear it, so just be prepared. And my, it's not like she was like, you know, she was aware. She knew she could handle it, you know? So mm -hmm. we go and... The pots and pans fall, the loud clang, and my mother said, "Yes, sister's foot." <laughs> and, and I was, and I was pissed. And I got into the kitchen, and I was like, "You fucking liar!" I go, "You're a liar. That's not what you say." And she You're goes, a liar. And she You're goes, liar. And she goes, "I've never said that. I've never said those." Oh before. my god! And I was like, "Oh god!" I go, "You're so full of shit." And so I and I tell my mother, I go, these are the stories I'm going to tell when I'm up giving your eulogy at the church when she yep. goes, you know, yep. oh, Keithy, Jesus Christ, don't do that. Keithy, you know? <laughs> Keithy you're not going to embarrass me, are you? Are you? I, I go, are yeah. You? I go, I, I fully intend to, are you? Are you? You know you will. Everybody of course. knows you will. Oh, I, I, of it course. It wouldn't be authentic to your relationship right. if you didn't. No. And That's I how mean, I feel. And believe me, like my mother's, you know, she calls me several times a day. Just, hi, how are you? What are you doing? And, you know, my brother and I do, we, my brother like, and I'm I will, working. My brother and I will sit in the, in our living room, you know, at night and we'll just, or like Saturday or Sunday morning, we'll do the conversation. Cause like the phone rings and I see it and I go, Ugh, I don't want to answer this right now. So I put the phone down and then my brother and I'll just go, hi, hi, mom. How are you? <laughs> Fine. What are you doing? We're watching Phantom Gourmet, Mom. What's the what's going on? Oh, nothing. Just checking in. Is Brian there? Yes, Brian's sitting right here. Is Chase with you? Yes, Chase is right here. Like this is what, and this is the conversation. So you don't answer the phone, so you don't have to have the conversation, and yet right, you continue to have the conversation. Yeah, my brother and I have the conversation, and we laugh Anyways. about it. And my nephew rolls on the floor because that's amazing because it's so silly. So. Go ahead. What's your question? When's what's the last question? time? When's the last time you saw your mother? And did that visit count? Um. Well, she came over on. She came over for dinner on last week. I made. Okay. Uh, I made pasta fajul, and she said. Uh, Sounds good. And she said, "She goes, oh, uh, I haven't had pasta fajul since your your grandmother made it years ago." And I love pasta fudge. Now, my grandmother died when my mother was 15. So my mother's 74. So she hasn't had her mother for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I said, really? You've been fucking pasta fudge since your mother was alive? I go, <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I go, really? And she goes, well, I loved how my mother made it. It was so good. And I said, well, do you want to come over? I'm going to make it. I go, she goes, really? I said, yeah. I go, I said, come over. We'll, you know, we'll sit. We'll, you know. So she came over on Thursday. She hung out. My nephew was here. So she sat with my nephew and. Um, and then she goes, ah, this isn't how my mother made it. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, and, and immediately I was just like, I fucking, why did I even fucking invite her over? <laughs> like, so then that well, led that to it. like a good quality family time visit. So that, that counted, right? You're not going to get in trouble. Oh yeah. Counted. No, no, no. It counts. I mean, it's funny now mm. because now, now when we see her. It's really like we kind of goof on her because she's getting older and everything. And my nephew laughs at it now. Like he he loves his loves his grandmother, but he laughs at it because he knows that like it's just it's funny. Like mm -hmm. my brother, my brother 
gives her my brother ribs her about that her her meatballs and sauce aren't as good as mine. <laughs> my mother gets and she gets pissed. She gets pissed. So it's like, yeah. But yeah. No, she's a good she's a good woman. She's a good egg. Yeah. Um, I I'm intrigued by her for yeah. sure. No, I yeah, she she and she's also very um she she gets nervous like she thinks that I like she thinks that I come and tell all of her stories and I go no I go mom there's an awful I mean, on a show where you're gonna tell some of her stories yeah but I don't tell all of them I go no there's a lot of stories that are gonna be told the day after you die like there's gonna be, <laughs> like the floodgates are gonna oh I tell her I go my first stand up routine the day after you die is gonna be fucking amazing oh gee, Jesus <laughs> well and she goes wow. don't like there's a couple of them and I re- I think I may have I've told you guys on a Saturday night phone call. I, I can't do it on the I can't do it on this show because she'll she'll kill me if she finds out. But there's like one thing that she used to do when we were growing up. And um I tell her, I go, I'm gonna tell that story. And she goes, Keithy, if you tell that story, so help me God, I will kill you. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I, you're physically like you're gonna be dead. Also. You're like a quarter so of the you've size. Told it, of me. I'll wait until yeah. Right, and I go. I'm gonna tell. Yeah, I go. Yeah. I go. That's gonna be the first story I tell when I first do my first stand up act, and she's she's always yelling at me. Don't, please, don't, please, please, Keithy, don't, please. But she does this to think. She does this weird thing now, where she thinks that I have the power and the ability to take her driver's license away from her. <laughs> wait, what? You can just do that. She go because she's a because she's she's getting older and she's starting to do the drift when she drives like her oh, her wow. eyes not drifting and there was yeah. one time where we were going to a meeting or something and um she almost hit like a family in a crosswalk jesus <laughs> and i was like mom there's a freaking family right there oh i didn't even see them and so i was like that's the point so i keep telling her that i'm going to take her license away i guess and, she um, physically could you know Steal well, her license. Yeah, but I told her, right? Well, because then she also she confiscated. Gets, well, yeah, she gets, take it away. Well, because then she'll call me and she'll go, oh, Keithy, I <laughs> I hit a pole today in the parking lot at oh the bank. God. And I go, what? And she goes, yeah, I was driving and I backed into the pole. And now there's a big dent in my car. And I don't know. And I'm like, I'm a, and then she goes, Keithy, please. I'm so sorry. I and I go, mom, I can't. Like, I can't really take your license away from you. <laughs> I go, you're a grown woman. You're an independent. So human she being. called you to apologize so you wouldn't take her license. Yeah, she's away. like, she's like, please don't. <laughs> Although this is the same woman who, wow. when I, so my ex girlfriend Michelle, um, my high school girlfriend Michelle, uh, she, I, she had nobody to teach her how to drive when she was growing up. So I taught her how to drive. I got my license like a year before she did. So. I taught her how to drive with my mother's car. My mother had a 1989 Chevy Celebrity. And I used to teach her how to drive with my mother's car. Like, we did the whole thing where I took her to a parking lot, at, like a Shaw's, Shaw's. And we drove around the parking lot. Um, I don't know if you guys know Shaw's is a grocery store. I don't know if they're all the way, all over the Never country heard of or whatever. It. Yeah. Uh, I've heard of it. Don't have them here. Yeah. And then um, Shaw's also, Star Market is another one that you can think of. But uh um, I know you guys like my accent, so that's why I'll try I to do, throw it in. Yes. And oh, then yeah. I, I, we drove around a cemetery. You know, we had a couple cemeteries up in Malden where I grew up that we were good to drive around. And then we were driving down like near her house, and 
she blew a tire. Like she freaked out. She hit the curb and the tire blew. So I changed the tire, put the spare on, drove home. And I told my mother, I said, I got a flat tire. You would have thought that I totaled the automobile. My mother freaked out so much. And I mean, this is like 1996. Like, what's a tire cost? A hundred bucks, maybe. If right, that's back then, yeah. Yeah, I was like, seriously, she made, and I paid my mother. Like, I gave my because I had a job at McDonald's, so I gave my mother the money for the tire. Actually, Michelle gave me the money, and I gave it to my mother. But like, I paid for it. My mother freaked out. This is the same woman that freaked out on me about that, and she's calling me crying, begging me not to take her license away, even though she's <laughs> freaking hitting parked cars and driving into the house. Like, <sighs> anyway, <clears throat> it's Jenny. Do you do you find this relationship problematic? Um, I look. Maybe this is my southernness coming out. I just, I can't imagine speaking to my mom in that manner even though like about her like like i can say fuck around my mom or whatever but i can't like say stuff about her if that makes sense it, it does but that you know what that is a southern thing because i my father was from south carolina so i have you know a little bit of that southern um at least understanding. I wouldn't say mm -hmm. Southern gentleman in me because I really don't think I do. I think I'm just a full-blooded <laughs> mass hole. But uh, I, so I so I do understand the concept, and I can you know I, I know like my cousin Brad who lives in he still lives in Dar I think he still lives in Darlington. Uh, you know he he's like when he talks to my mother he calls her ma'am. You know, right. my mother and my yes. mother always goes, oh, man, like she gets yeah. all excited. <laughs> so, I mean, I get it. It's and more of like like it's like a it's not my place to like like i'm your child like i would never like if she were to ask me advice you mm -hmm. know i would give that but if you know I, I couldn't just be like in her space like saying things about her like in that way well if that makes sense it does i mean i guess it's it is the relationship that she's cultivated with her kids though because my brother right. and my sister are also very very much like that as well you know and i and i'm and she just she listens to me more but she listens to me she takes my advice and and listens to me i mean let's put it this way i have i had her on board to vote for bernie uh both times at bernie like she voted for bernie in 2016 in the primary and then nice was kind of like not like she was kind of pissed about hillary and how the democratic party kind of screwed bernie over and then when he ran against, you know, when he was running in 2020, she was like, she was a Bernie, she was a Bernie bro. And, and, Bernie and bro. she has friends who were like, were diehard Trump supporters that gave her a lot of shit for listening mm -hmm. to her stupid liberal son and mm -hmm. not making her own decision. And, and my mother went, but he explains it so well. Like he explains it. Like she calls me all the time to ask me like, what's going on with the government. And so, I mean, you know, we've cultivated this relationship that's very, much a you know uh i guess a out of respect or educational or whatever mm -hmm. i mean you know so i like that and and also i think it's because um i'm a caretaker by nature mm -hmm. uh, she was a caretaker by nature and i think that it's just i she she kind of groomed me to be the tear to take over as the caretaker and oh so, that's yeah yeah, yeah. so i think that. that yeah and i think that 
because it's it's the same. I mean, look at I take care of my brother, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I, mean, I you know, and I take care of my my nephew. And um, if I wasn't so angry at my sister all the time, I take care of her as well. But you know, I think it's just a, it's the just the way that it is. And you know, I think that she kind of set me up for that. Uh, whether it was good or bad, it just is. It's it is what it is, you know. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I I don't mean to put. Like, you know, I'm glad I asked you about this because I, oh, I, I didn't want to say like I felt I didn't feel judgmental. I just felt like a little, um, I guess just like a little put, put, put off. off. It doesn't have yeah. anything to do. No, 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 no. But just I, I just trying to imagine myself like the way that you spoke about her and the way that you talked to her and stuff. But it's a, but, mm. but it's like you said, it's very much, you know, ingrained in it's, how you are. It, it, I want to say it's a regional thing too, because it's you'll see it more often. I think with well, like it's funny because you see jokes about like and and not that I'm like this big guinea from the north. I'm not. I mean, my mother's it's my mother's 100 Italian. My father was zero percent Italian, so it's mm-hmm. not like I grew up in this Italian, really heavy Italian household. But mm-hmm. it kind of is an Italian thing because you do see like you see boys with their mothers. And they joke about how them, you know, they're they're like their mothers are. They're always like, "Ma, what do you fucking want this time?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. But then you do see that they'll, <laughs> but they'll, but they'll fight to the death to defend right, their mothers' honor. Right, so, right. yes, I mean, I think that that's kind of what it is. It's a regional thing. It's a, it's a, uh, you know, a, cultural, uh, a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, where it's a lot different. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, my dad, Jesus, my dad. My mother would tell me stories about my grandmother coming up from South Carolina and her and my mother having to wash my grandmother's like back and feet, like and stuff like like she wouldn't take showers, she would take baths. Because I mean, this is like the my father's family is like was dirt poor sharecroppers, mm-hmm. like they had one light in the house and they took baths in a barrel, you know, like one of the old <laughs> oak barrels and shit. Yeah. So I mean, wow. I mean, we've heard the horror stories feeding the chickens underneath the wooden slats in the house and stuff uh-huh. like that. So yeah, I mean, this is they were not very I don't even know. I, I don't even know if my grandmother ever had indoor plumbing. She must have, I think, towards the end. But like, you know, so when wow. she Yeah. So she my mother would talk about like having to kind of take care of the of her my her mother in law. In a probably a similar vein to how probably not you you either one of you but maybe your parents took care of their parents that way or at least right. you know you know that kind of thing so mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's a cultural thing it's a it's a cultural thing it's a generational thing and it's a regional thing I feel like yeah no doubt and you feel like your brother has that same relationship too with her uh no well it's no different. not it's different. It's different because he doesn't put up with a lot of her nonsense. Like she, she's a, she's afraid to call him. <laughs> like she doesn't want. Oh, she's afraid. Yeah. She's like, I you're, don't want to. You're her favorite. Is I am. Oh, by yeah, yeah, by far and away. I by far and away. Well, and if you were sort of brought up to be the caretaker, then then that's sort of yeah. my brother and sister. They, my brother and sister. Yeah, my brother and sister know without a shadow of a doubt that the pecking order goes well now it's chase my nephew because it's her grandson so it's chase and then it's yeah, yeah that's always gonna be the case but it's funny because when i was a kid even growing up um 
and I would take like private lessons because I played trumpet in high school. I played trumpet from fourth grade all the way up through sophomore year in college. And uh, I took private lessons. And my dad used to say to my mother, why does he need private lessons? And my mother would be like, Billy, don't fuck with my Keithy. Like that was just how <laughs> so yeah. And that was what she used to say because my brother would my dad would always go, the baby. Like he would just mention because I'm the baby. And she he'd go, the baby. And she would go, Yeah, don't fuck with my baby. What do you want? Yeah, that's my baby. So, Motherfucker. Yeah. My baby. Mm -hmm. That's cute. Yeah. So yeah, you, adorable. You mentioned your dad. Um I, I take it he is no longer living. Is that yes, my it? father's no longer with us. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you lose him at a at a fairly early age? Um, expected, unexpected well, to the extent that these things ever are. All right. Well, so this is this is getting more into the tragedy of you know Darth Plagueis the Wise. Um mm -hmm. <laughs> so my dad, yeah, my dad was my dad was a he had some he had some heart conditions early early on like he had his first major heart attack when he was like 30 something and he was wow. a yeah he was a fireman he was an emt he was gonna go back to school to become a nurse and he had a heart attack he had to retire at like th like at like 34 35 33 something like real early 30s early wow 30s, yeah. yeah and um I mean, late 30s yeah like early 30s and Ever like at that point, like he had several heart attacks, like he had quadruple bypass surgery and triple bypass surgery, he had carotid artery issues. And mm. then in, in 1992, when I was 11, yeah, I don't think I had turned 12 yet. Um, my dad had a major stroke and he it like affected him where he lost like his ability to speak, really. Mm -hmm. um, he was a righty. He lost his entire right. He couldn't use his right hand or right arm. He couldn't write anymore. He had to, le he had to learn how to write with his left hand. And, um, you know, he was in like the ICU for several days and it was a touch and go situation. But he went to rehab and he learned how to, we say learn how to speak because he, he started to speak like, sh he could only speak like short, phrases and stuff like mm -hmm. the first thing is he when he when he came out of like whatever it was i don't know if like a coma but whatever he was when he opened his eyes in the icu he looked at all of us and we're all sitting there and he just went he just said fucking asshole and that's what he said and it was like <laughs> yeah his first so my, words his up. first word his first words were fucking asshole but then we but obviously over the years we learned how to understand what limited speech he had so I could have a full conversation with my dad, you know, and, and yeah. know what he was talking about. But and it's funny because um, when my dad would like something, he would go good, good, good. And when my brother got married, my father had already passed away. My father died in 2005. Um, my brother got married in, I think, 07, I think. It was when the it was when the Deathly Hallows book came out. <laughs> I know that because it was the same weekend. I think it was 07. Yeah, it, and it's uh, funny the associations we make in order to remember. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. So when he got married, I was his best man, and in my speech, instead of doing the traditional toast at the end, I said, you know, in the words of Billy Langston or Sweet Willie, we used to call him Sweet Willie. I said, everybody raise your glass and say, good, good, good. And so we all said, good, good, good. And everybody drank. And one of my brother's friends came up to me and he goes, he goes, dude, that was the friggin' awesome. He goes, that was so awesome. He goes, I knew you because he knew my dad. He goes, your dad would have friggin' loved that. I said, yeah. So at my speech, my wedding, 
my brother did the same thing. And he said, good, good, good. And everybody, you know, family members teared up and all that. And then when I went to my friend Chris, L.A. Chris's wedding in Italy, part of my speech was that Chris is, he's like my brother and, you know, he's family and blah, blah, blah. So I said, Chris, and I did this whole speech in Italian. And then I went, but all honestly, Chris, I said, the only thing I could say is good, good, good. And I did that. And my brother was there and he was, you know, he approved of everything. So, you know, we did Aww. that. And yeah, it's kind of like a cool thing that we do in the family, you know, because my dad, but yeah, no. And then, um, so my dad was like at home for most of my teenage years and into when I moved out. Okay. And, okay. and uh, and it's real different because before that he was not around a lot. So it was just, you know, cause he was working and you know, he was, yeah. he had a bit of a, a bit of a drinking problem. So, uh, you know, I mean, he was always kind of, so it was weird. It was like this weird thing. Like all of a sudden when I was like 11 years old, 12 years old, I had my dad all of a sudden trying to be like Mr. D Mr. Mom or Mr. Dad, you know, like he tried to become like super dad. And I was like, hmm. fuck out of here. But he was as quote unquote disabled as he was. That motherfucker did more shit than anybody else. I don't know. If I, no, seriously. Like, all right. So there was a leak in our roof in my parents' house. And he comes up to my brother and he was like, he was like, come on, fix that. Like, fix it. Right. And my brother's like, dad, I'm not climbing on the roof. You know, my mother's got like a freaking two floor colonial. He goes, I'm not climbing on the roof and fixing it. And, I, and he comes to me and he goes, fix it. And I was like, dad, I'm not fucking going up there and fixing it. What are you out of your mind? I go, that's why you hire somebody. So my mother's coming home from work. And she turns around the corner. My fucking dad's sitting on the roof smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and what he did is he put the he put the fucking bucket of, of tar on his bad arm. And he climbed the ladder with his good arm. And he wow. fucking, like, he patched the roof. And she comes home and she goes, Billy, you're going to fucking fall and crash into the yard. And I come home and I said, Dad, what are you fucking kidding me? I go, don't do that shit again. There was like one summer we had um, roots wrapping around the pipes in front of the house, like you know, underneath. Mm -hmm. He dug yeah. up the whole. He dug up the whole fucking front yard, like a six foot fucking hole to <laughs> dig out like all the roots. And he was. It was July. It was like a hundred degrees outside, and he's drinking hot coffee. Like with a fucking ass. And all the neighbors are just walking by going, What is that? Carol's grave, Billy? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right like, in the front fucking right yard. In the front yeah. yard. Right in the front yard where everybody can see it. I mean, he's just like he, you know, he had um we had a you know, we had our dog growing up. My dog, her name was Gucci. She was like a shepherd husky. And uh she was adorable. And he fucking hated that the dog shit everywhere, like in the yard. <laughs> and so he he friggin' took a he took a metal dustpan and like bent the handle of the dustpan up up, and then he stuck a friggin' uh, broomstick in it, and he had like one of those gardening claws attached to another stick, and that's what he would walk around and scoop the friggin' dog shit into the uh, into the pan. Like my dad was like inventing shit. It was fucking great. It was awesome. Oh my God. Yeah, no, he was like we used to say we used to joke, and we were like, you know. The death came for came for him, and he was just like, "Nah, I'll get him after lunch." And then my father, he forgot about him, like, because <laughs> he was like a miracle. Like he just was a miracle. He forgot he just kept, about him. Yeah, so he lasted like another thirteen years, and wow, you know, yeah. And it wasn't really until 
and he went fast. It was kind of like he went fast. Like he, we went to like a family wedding, Fourth of July weekend, um, and it was really sad too because it was sad in in my family, and you know because um, like I said, he drank for a long time, and then he hadn't really he didn't really drink anymore. I think he still drank a little bit, but you know I was old enough that I could like have a drink with my dad. And so I bought him like a drink. Yeah. I said, what do you want? I go, what do you want? Like a rum and Coke or something. And he had, I think he liked vodka. So I got him whatever it was, a vodka and soda or whatever. And I had it, you know, we sat, and we had a drink and then, and he had a blast. Like he was dancing with my mom and he had a good time. And then he had a heart attack that night and he was sick for like the entire oh, wow. summer. Yeah. He was like sick for the entire summer. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of conversations with, and I wasn't living at home, but there were a lot of conversations about, um, you know, maybe to have, maybe having to put him in like, like a nursing home or, mm-hmm. cause you know, my mother was still working and, you know, she couldn't really take care of him. And, uh, he actually died Labor Day. Like he went 4th of July to Labor Day and that was it. Like he just, you know, he had another heart attack and it was, we got the call in the middle of the night. We went to the hospital and he, he passed away and we said our goodbyes and that was it. And it was, it was rough. I was living with my brother and, um, you know, it was rough because we got a lot of phone calls that summer, you know, because he was sick. And yep. it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, it was rough. But, you know, he was, at the time, he was getting, you know how, like, sometimes when people die and you look at how they deteriorate and you go, that's not that person anymore? Mm-hmm. That's what my dad was getting to. Like, he wasn't yeah. that same guy anymore. Mm-hmm. and. And I and and looking on it from an outside perspective, I would say he probably wanted to go because he would not want to be like remembered like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's that transition right between when it's the person you know and they're relatively healthy or at least stable right. to getting to the point where they are no longer living. Right. You know, you can you can kind of deal with death itself i feel like right if if you've got a sense of okay this is inevitable we've we've made arrangements um we've had time to prepare so to speak not that you can ever be right totally emotionally prepared but yeah yeah you can you can do some planning you know but it's it's that in-between period that just sucks that just there's no it's like there's no good answers there's no like you just got to get through it and you hope it's as honestly as short as possible right where right you know well and then one of the kind of the odd things is i noticed you know at at his wake because we had we had one viewing maybe four four to eight something like that but Mm. the amount of people that came to not only that that knew him but that knew me my brother my sister my mother it was like it just made it made me look and go, Jesus, my family for as small as my family familial unit is, <laughs> just how much we reach into like other people's lives kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. that they would because I mean, it's one thing if like people that knew my father came to pay their respects, but like people that knew my brother, that knew my sister, that knew my mother, that like came to pay their respects, you know, yeah, and it yeah. was just kind of like a it was almost like I hate to say cool, but it was kind of. It was just interesting to see just how many people like they were like we got to go pay respects to the to the family you know like mm-hmm. the, and just kind of like that so it was it was really 
it was a whirlwind experience. I mean, you know, and I know like when I went back to work afterwards, um, two major things happened. Number one, all the people that have lost a parent come out of the woodwork. And they, oh, and, yeah. and it's like, you, you get to join a real shitty club. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the orphan yeah. club or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like my mother's in the orphan club, you know? Mm. And I, and I remember saying to my mother going like, damn, you're in this fucking club too. And she goes, yeah. And I said, you got in this club early. And then the other major thing was that like a week, a week after I came back from my father, because I took a week off of work and, um, I came back and the following week is when my ex-wife started working at my the company I was at at the time. And I met her. And so she never got to meet my dad, which was kind of funny. And then I remember when we started dating, she went, wait, when did your father die? And I said, oh, he died in September. And we started dating in January, like that following January. And she goes, oh, my God. She's like, you just lost, like you just lost your dad. I was like, yeah, three, four months ago. Yeah. She's like, I thought it was like years. <laughs> I was like, no. I go, he died like he died like four months ago. Kind and, of uh, shitty of her, but just saying. Well, I mean, because because I think she was surprised at just how adjusted I was. That like I didn't, right, you know, yeah. I wasn't like, you know, I mean, I was like, what the fuck am I gonna do? You gotta go, you know, got it. Life got it. Didn't life carry yourself as a person who yeah. was still very recently, yeah. You know, and I was like, well, but I mean, like life goes on. Like, what am I going to do? You know, I mean, it just happens. It's just, I don't know. It's, a, mm. it's a, I call it a philosophy. I don't know. How long am I going to sit here and cry over shit? Well, I, I'd never really heard you talk about your dad before. So I just, I just mm, wanted me to, either. I guess, ask, no, he, ask he the was, question. I was yeah, curious. he was, I look back, the older I get, the more fondly I look back on our relationship. Um, I didn't you know, I didn't recognize it as much then as I do now. I mean, like my dad grew up in like a fucking nightmare. Like he was, you know, his, my grandfather beat the shit out of all of his kids, like every day, nonstop. It was just like, my dad would get beatens if he brought home a 98 or if he brought home a 78, like it didn't matter. Like he was just, he, my father, nothing, my father could do nothing right. And it was either you think you're better than me or you're, what are you fucking asshole? And so, he lived his life, you know, the best he could. And when he was old enough to get the fuck out, he got out and he went and he was in the mill. He went to the uh, Navy and he, it was awesome. My dad was in the, it, my dad was in the Navy in Vietnam and he was on a communication ship that sailed around the Atlantic. <laughs> I was like, wow. I go, my dad's nice. a fucking, my dad was a genius. Like, yeah, he was a boxer in the Navy and he fought the same guy twice and he was two and oh. <laughs> it was like my there dad was two and oh. And, uh, yeah, no, he was he was a pretty cool dude. He was a fireman, like I said, and we went to um, his his fire station, the the old station they tore down and they rebuilt it. And um, he asked if I would go with them, and I said sure. So the two of us went, and all the frigging people remembered him. And one of the things that they did that was wicked cool was they had the old uh, pole, and they cut the old pole into like sections. And they mounted them on a frame and they gave every old, every fireman that served at that old station got a plaque with the piece of the pole on it. And so when my dad died, my mother was like, you can have this. She goes, you were there with them. You should take it. So I took it home. And, and then like a, God, like a couple months after he died, we got like a letter from like George W. Bush that like thanking him for our, for his service and all that. I mean, and we didn't oh, apply. Wow. Yeah. Like we didn't sign up or we didn't even, I don't even yeah. think we notified the, 
you know, the veteran services that my father passed away, you know, it was just, but we got that. And then, yeah, I mean, I have a ton of friggin' memories and laughs and just, you know, just a lot of funny stories that I have. I mean, so the older I get, um, the more I look back fondly. I mean, I think my best memory was, um, he used to, like I said, he was from South Carolina. So he used to go down to South Carolina every year and go see like his, his brothers and his sisters and shit like that. And, um, and it was in the fall usually. And I had, I was competitive marching band. So we had our shows in the fall. So he never got to see me compete like in band, which I, at the time I didn't give a shit, but my senior year in high school, I had a solo and like, we did like four songs. And one of the songs was built around my solo. And I had told, you know, obviously I was psyched about it and everything. And he actually came to a practice and it was the practice the night before he left. And he sat in the stands by himself you know, my mother was on the other side of the, you know, the stadium, like on the other side of the bleaches and everything. And he sat and he watched me and I saw him. And I was like, what is my dad doing here? And he came and he watched me. And I, you know, never, I, ne- I don't even know if I ever really said anything to him. You know, like, I don't know if I ever thanked him because, again, I'm, you know, 17 years old and fuck the world kind of thing. But um, it's like, that's probably... If I needed to produce a Patronus, that would probably be one of the memories that I would have is that I would think of my dad coming to see me play and Oh, actually, that's a nice way to and like, it. Yeah, and like actually having like a smile on his face that I did right. well. And and I remember my I, I've told you guys about when I worked at the diner and he used to go to that diner and um when I was like fifteen I had a job at this local greasy spoon and he would come in and the fucking grin on his face of seeing his son slaving out there. Like I mean <laughs> fucking sweating my balls off with the friggin you could see through my white t-shirt and just <laughs> dishwashing and cleaning counters and busting tables and dude my dad was like so so happy to see his son working hard you know so i mean there's a lot yeah. of great memories yeah i just don't really talk about him because he's not as funny he's not as funny as my mother and he's not as funny as like my ex-wife <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's not as funny as those clowns you know those clowns. But... well speaking of your ex-wife yeah, um, might as well dig into that. Sure. What do you What do you want to know? Um, <laughs> Why the marriage you, ended? You said you met her at work. Is yes. that what you said earlier? Yeah. So okay. we both worked for an insurance company in Massachusetts, and uh, I was a supervisor. She was not on my staff. She was on another person's staff. Uh, but we, it was just like she, you know, she because I was obviously as I'm sure you're aware, I was one of the supervisors that everybody felt like they could come and ask questions, and you know, of course. So, her and a friend of hers would always come and ask questions or whatever. And her friend and I were like chatting one day, and I said something about, um, oh no, it was it was New Year's Eve. Yeah, it was New Year's Eve 2006, and I they called me, and I was like, oh hey, happy you know Happy New Year or whatever. And um, I said to her friend, I go, hey, you think you think Emily would go on a date with me? And she said, oh, yeah, sure. She goes, just ask her. Ask her. I was like, OK. And so I did. I don't know how I fucking mustered the energy to do that because I mean, I'm <laughs> such a fucking pussy. But I did. I was like <laughs> and she said yes right away. And I was like, OK, so we went to like the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is up to that point, I had been on a lot of bad first dates, like just a lot of first dates where it's like, there's just nothing to write home about. Like, it's just fucking terrible. So I wasn't, 
I, I had a little positivity, but I didn't have all the positivity in the world. And one of the things that I hated was that you sit down across from the girl and she has a salad and a glass of water. Like, you know, I'm saying <laughs> salad. And it's like, it's like, just, what girl does that? Not a real girl. Stupid bitches. Yeah. And I was Dull like, bitches do that. but I was like, just have a fucking meal. Right. Like, I know you eat, you know, everybody poops. I know like you're going to eat something and put it out later. That's fine. And so Emily and I went. <laughs> you want to see her eat, throw down, and rip ass at and the table. And then right? take a fucking massive shit. I got Why not? Hey, everybody poops. But everybody like Emily, poops. Emily, oh, I'll be right back. I got to push one out. <laughs> so the first thing that happened is we get to the Cheesecake Factory, and she goes to sit down in the booth. All that cheesecake the, running right the, through me. And the back of the booth falls off. So like the what? chair broke. The what now? The back of the, the back booth, of the like booth the, just yeah, out. like you know, how, like in the in the booth, like a booth, it's got like the the yeah. back, like the back pad or whatever fell off, like broke. Oh, okay, Ugh. just and the, the pad. Waiter, and the waiter's like, "Oh my god, oh my god, I'm so sorry." Or the hostess or whoever was sitting us was like, "That's been happening a lot. I'm so sorry." And she just was like, "Oh my god, oh that's fine." And she just like rolled with it. And so I was like, okay, so she's not like a, oh, my God, you know, like she wasn't like a Karen or whatever. Like, yeah, she was just like, all right, cool. And then she ordered like a full meal. She's like, you want to get appetizers? She didn't say that, but she was like, she was like, she goes, what are you going to get? And I was like, well, I love they do. She was down to get her grub on. She was down to get her grub on. She had a drink. She had, she ordered a drink. She ordered, which is funny because she didn't at the time. We really, neither one of us really drank, but, um. You know, she had a drink. She had she ordered a regular meal. We had a great conversation. We split a cheesecake, like a piece of a cheesecake afterwards. Um, they had a what great first date. Cheesecake? No, we had a slice, just one slice of cheesecake. But what yeah. kind? Um, you know what? That might be one of those things that I've forced out of my brain, but I'll just say probably an original. We probably okay. went with like an original cheesecake, yeah. Either that or like maybe the fucking Reese's peanut butter one. I don't. I can't remember actually. Oh. It's funny. Yeah, but we probably had the re. Actually, you know, now that I think it was probably like a fucking peanut butter chocolate one. It was probably whatever the one that had the highest whatever. calorie count. Super decadent, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever decadent cheesecake was, but we went and we had a good time. And then I don't think that I. I don't know if I kissed her on the first date. I can't remember. Um, but I dropped her off, and. I might have hugged her. I was real big into hugging a girl on the first date, usually. Because, um, I had, again, I had zero game and zero confidence, so I had no idea. But I know when I hugged her and I I was driving home, and I did call my mom, and I said, I think I'm going to marry this girl. My mom went, really? Mm. I said, yeah. I go, she's fucking awesome. Wow. And, uh, like, date number two, we were, like, all over each other. Like, so it was just, you know. And then, yeah, we dated for, like, three years and i remember like my mother said she gave me my so she gave me my grandmother's wedding ring but it didn't have the diamond in it because my mother took the diamond out but i was like all right i'll buy a diamond it was like a platinum wedding ring and um i took it and i put a you know big honking diamond in it and had that put Mm. in then and it was so funny because we got into this huge fight like the night before I was going to propose to her. Like I had already called and talked to her parents. I had talked to her sisters. Like everybody in her family knew that I was going to propose, but she didn't. And mm. um, we we went out. We got into a huge fight about something stupid. And uh, she goes into her apartment. She was living with her sister. And her sister's like, 
did you say anything that you can't take back or apologize for? And she's like, <laughs> why? He was being a dick. And my sister-in-law was like, mm, you might want to rethink things there, Emily, because they knew. <laughs> they knew that I was the best thing to happen to her. Um, so, uh, <laughs> well, and then and then the next night, we actually, we went, it was the Cheesecake Factory again, is where I proposed, because I figured take her to the place we had our first date. And I was wicked nervous, and she knew I was nervous. Because I hadn't, because she goes, I know you were nervous because you didn't drink. Like, I would normally drink, like, three sodas before my meal came. And I hadn't had any, so like, it was the same soda. <laughs> and I was just, so then I got up, I went to the bathroom, I put the, I put the, the ring in my, um, my hand, like, in my sleeve. I was wearing, like, a sweater. And uh, when I came out, I kind of just, like, full, like, <laughs> like, just dropped on, like, one knee. And she thought I fell. And, um, <laughs> and then. And and talk about like talk about like no one even fucking noticed that I was in the middle of the cheesecake factory on my knee proposing to my girlfriend. Wait, like no what? Noticed. Yeah, no one noticed. Like not I, the waiter or anyone. No, no. And in fact, when I I had the whole spiel, which she said she didn't even remember any of it because obviously, um. But I said something like, I think I asked her to be my partner in crime. Is I think I asked I asked her I said will you be my partner in crime, and um, and then she she said are you sure about this, uh, and I went, <laughs> why? Because we had a fight yesterday, and she goes yeah, and I went yeah I'm fucking sure about this. And she went yes yes yes, and she took the ring, and then she's fucking looking at the and I did I did really well. Like I took my mother with me to the jewelry store to get the diamond, so like my mother was like oh this is the one you have to get, and you know <laughs> and um. And it was like you have to get. And it was like, and it was like my brother had gone to get his wife's diamond, so he referred me there. He's like, they're good people, they have good shit, you know, go here. And so, like, I researched and everything. So, like, she was looking at the ring, and she was really like, it was over a carrot, which you know, I everybody said you had to get over a carrot, and I was like, okay. So, um, and the waiter comes over. She's staring at a fucking diamond on her hand, like. She's elated. Uh-huh. The guy, you look at me, I'm sweating like an asshole. And like, <laughs> and the guy's like, has no fucking clue. And she's like, can I get you guys anything else? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, we're good, buddy. Thanks. You should have told him, baby. You should have mm, told yeah, him. Yeah, you know what? I didn't want to propose. I know. I didn't want to. It's funny. There's times like, it's weird with me. Like, there's times well, that I, there's times that I, there's times that I have. Like I've always had this thing in my life where I think that some movie situation's gonna come true. Yeah. And that, you know, like there was one time there was a girl who I was my friends were trying to set me up with this girl and it, it wasn't working. But I remember like um <clears throat> I thought that if I I dropped her off and this is so embarrassing actually, it's it's kind of funny. I uh, I dropped her off and I was like leaving home and I was and it was pouring out and I was like oh my god if I go back and I knock on the door and she opens the door and I'm fucking drenched it's like like a fucking movie it's like an 80s love story like a rom com like she'll she'll fall in love with me and I was like so I went back and I like knocked on her door and I was like hey I was like I think I really I was like I really I really like you like maybe we should try to make something work and the girl's like um 
I'm going to bed now. And she like shut the door on my face and I was like, wow, what a cunt. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Lost, baby. I know. So I was like, okay. Um, that sucks. So I I I don't know, but then there's other times where I'm like, I don't want to be like I want to be in the back of the room and nobody notice me, you know? So it's mm. kind of weird. Like I have like a weird like dichotomy where sometimes I want to be everybody's looking at me and I'm I'm Norm from Cheers, but then I want to just be left alone, kind of. It's weird. So it's like at that moment, I didn't really want everybody to know. I thought it would have been, I, thought, I figured somebody would have fucking clapped. I mean, <laughs> you would think so, right? Oh, fucking stupid assholes from Cambridge. Everybody's sitting there just fucking eating their cheesecake. <laughs> but look, those corn fritters are pretty good, man. Yeah. Well, and then it was, is pretty badass. And then. And then for as far as our, like, she kind of dragged her feet with, like, planning the wedding. Not that she didn't want to get married. She just didn't want to. She's lazy. She doesn't want to fucking do anything. So, and I kept seeing her. I was like, because, again, my fucking mother's like, when are you married? When's the wedding? And I was just like, so finally I was like, Emily, when are we getting married? Like, when do you want to fucking do this? Like, and she goes, she, she said something to her mother. And now my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, I love my in-laws. My in-laws were the best. Like, I'm not shitting you. I fucking love them. I still, to this day, love them. I still consider him to be my father-in-law. Like, he is the, they're the balls. And my mother-in-law is equally as wonderful of a person. So she must have been talking about her mother. And her mother, and she was like, he just keeps asking me about the wedding. And I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I think her mother, her mother said something like, well, why don't you just tell him to plan it then? And I think she was saying it to, like, tell him that and he'll get off your case. So my ex in a, you know, one of her many fits of rage, she was like, well, you just fucking plan it. And I'll tell you, within fucking two days, I had meeting with this place in where she grew up and we got like married at this like, uh, like bed and breakfast. We had a meeting mm. with a florist. We had a meeting with a DJ. We had a meeting with a photographer. We had a meeting with the kid. Like we had all the shit planned. I said, the only thing you got to do here, dickhead, is you got to get a fucking dress because I can't buy the dress for you. <laughs> And, that is amazing to me. And I, like, and I, I basically planned my entire wedding. That, like, because I was just about to give you shit because you said you were engaged for three years, and um, you said she dragged her feet planning the wedding, and I was gonna give you shit at the end of your speech here. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but no, no. then, but then I did not have to do that, and I have to say that I'm amazed because yeah. no, we were like, we zero yeah. percent of guys. Well, maybe one percent of guys I know can like no. do that. One for one percent of guys were getting straight married <laughs> Not yes. yes true but it was yes. but it was more or less it was just because i was like listen let's just get this shit go and i didn't care i was even said to her i go we don't even have to have a real wedding you and i can just go to city hall i go i don't care i go i don't need a wedding like you know i'm all well, about your like, mama needed a wedding well but i was like Ooh. i was all about Let's just get married as easy or as quick as we can, and we'll just have a big party. Like, we'll have a reception, basically. Mm -hmm. And I said, but she was like, no. She goes, I think I want a wedding. She goes, I think I want to have, like, the, you know, all the shit and all the stuff with it. And I said, all right, then. Well, we got to get this. We got to get it going, mm -hmm. you know? And so we did. And then what a great wedding. I mean, we had, it was kind of like a weekend event because it was in Vermont where she was from. And, um, all, you know, so all the people that traveled for 
my friends and stuff from like, oh, well, I should say even our friends because she had been in Massachusetts long enough that she had a bunch of friends. So we had our friends that they all came up for like the weekend, you know, and uh, yeah, we had a blast. It was awesome. It was a great time. You know, that's great. Yeah. She and got so it was all downhill from there. <laughs> Day one. No, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, I, and this is again, this is I know, like, I kind of depressed the shit out of you guys about my dad, but it's kind of similar with her. It's like we couldn't have kids like she she had some problems in, in, in that area. And believe me, if it was me, if it was stuff about me, I would have I would have done anything and everything to fix whatever the problem was that I had, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and it just, it just, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. You checked and, out. It wasn't that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, um, that, and then I think what really happened was her younger sister got pregnant and had a baby. And I think that just really kind of fucked her up, you know, for lack mm. of a better word. And, mm. uh, and it fucked me up too, because I did not like my brother-in-law this one. Like he was like, he was kind of an asshole and um he's still kind of an asshole (laughs) and it's like i feel you know i just i feel like i I feel like he never really appreciated the whole concept of being a dad Mm. and i know like why why them and not well why him yeah because why why him specifically because and that was for me that was a for me and um and believe me I, I've told you a little bit about my dad's family. They're all friggin' hillbillies. Like they get pregnant, like you breathe on mm. them and they get pregnant. And yeah. you know, and so like you're I hard, have too hard. And, you know, you're... Yeah. I have cousins or second, third cousins who are just producing offspring and have like kids upon kids upon kids. And there was even like one time a few years ago where my brother went down to go visit my family down there. And he was like, I seriously, Keith, he's like, I wanted to take one of the kids and bring them back to give them to you and Emily. Cause he's like, Oh, well, because he's like, this kid's born to a fucking He wanted to kidnap for you. I have like three cousins that are like crackheads. Like, you know, it's oh, like, you know, Lord. and they're the ones that seem to always get pregnant. So it was kind of one of those. Well, uh, nobody would have even noticed it was gone. So it was kind of you know. right. And yeah. so I think that it just was it was really tough. We had a really, you know, um, and we never and she never really talked to me about it. You know, she never really kind of said like. Um, cause we tried like IVF one time and it didn't really take. And, um, I think she was just, you know, it just really affected her. And, and I would it's say, to her, yeah. I know it is. And I, and I believe well, me, and I, expensive too. Right. I mean, well, yeah. 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 I mean, and I, really? had, and I had friends who I had a lot of friends that had done it and, uh, you know, eventually their success, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of failure well, and, yeah. and you, oh, and you yeah. just, and you're just kind of like, okay. And I had said to her, um, you know, we had talked about adoption and, and I was just like, I don't know if we're there yet. I said, you know, and this is going to sound, I don't know if this makes me sound like an asshole, I apologize right away. But like every man in my family has the same exact blue eyes. Like it's the Langston blue eyes, like all my uncles, my dad. All the all the boys have the same eyes. My brother has it. My nephew has it. My cousin Brad's kid has it. Like all of us have these beautiful blue eyes. Like they're just awesome, right? And every woman that marries a Langston man says the same exact thing. They fall in love with their eyes, right? And I said to my, I said to Emily, I go, if I have a son, I want my son to have my eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, it's just, it's like it's, it was just a thing. Plus, I had a lot of friends who 
had adoption and had like adoption issues where, you know, you don't know what you're getting, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and not that I would ever have had buyer's remorse. I said, but, well, and I kind of said, I go, that's also expensive. It's also, yeah. I go, it's Could like, starts, you out and you're it like, starts mm. like minimum 10 grand. And that's for like a yeah. 17 and a half year old. Like, you know, it's mm. like, and I just said, I go, I mean, I knew like a boss of mine. He had like, um, I think he had like a, a brother. I want to no, it was like a half brother or it. Yeah. It was like his dad, I think had, um, and it was like, it was like one of those, like, I think it was a, I, I'm, I feel so bad. If he listens to this, I'm going to feel terrible. But like, he had like a, um, like it was like a Russian, like one of those Russian, like birth mm-hmm. farm adoptions, mm-hmm. you know, where you think I you're getting have a family it. member did that too. Yeah. yeah. Like you think you're getting it from like a legit family and you find out it's like a, it's almost like a, it's like a birthing farm I mean, and you're just like, and yeah. yeah. And it's, and, um, and then like my mother worked with a woman who, she went to, you know, she adopted two kids from Columbia and like the first kid has like severe, like mental disability issues. And it's like her daughter who she got second is like awesome, you know, like friggin' valedictorian. And, and it was kind of like, a her daughter is going to have to take care of her brother. Like once the parents go and it's just like, mm. it's just that whole thing. And I said, and it's not that I wouldn't love an adopted kid any less than I would love my own. But it's like if you look if you have a kid and there's a problem with your kid, it's your kid. You're kind of like maybe you learn to never have a regret, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, and I apologize if I'm offending anybody. I mean, I really don't mean to. It's just this was how I felt. And I said that if I get to that point where we had decided we weren't going to try IVF. And that's all I said to her is I said, I just want to try this again. Can we try it like one more time? Can we try and just see, we did one run and she was like, I don't want to do another one. And I was like, really? I'm like, you're not even giving it a college try. <laughs> like you just one run. And I was there and, and Jenny, I will tell you this. I was there with her every step of the way. I prepared all the shots. No, I, believe that. I, yeah. I went to every doctor's appointment with her. Like, you know, the only thing I didn't do was take the hormones for her. And right. And so I was like, it's not like you're on this, you're not on an island by yourself. You have the best person to be with. And so I, but once she said to me, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, okay. And then I came home and I was like, you want to do adoption? And then I found out like that my company gives like eight grand to like towards adoption fees. Oh, okay. and I was like, I was like, this, this is totally doable. We could do this if you want. And she was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want to do that. And then this was the beginning of the end. Uh, Ah, and I think what happened was I think that she just had this little noodle inside her brain that said life would be better if we got divorced and Keith met somebody else Mm. and I met somebody else that already has kids and I could be stepmom and he can marry a woman and have kids and he'll be happy. And, and I remember saying to her in therapy, I went, you know, Emily, I said, we both had a shit sandwich that we had to eat, but we only had to eat half of it. I said, now you're making us both, now you're making us eat the whole sandwich ourselves. Mm. And I said, and that sucks. I go, and, and I go, and I, I had accepted that we were going to be the best aunt and uncle in the world. And that's what I had accepted. And I was like, and I was fine with it. I said, so you made this decision. This is your decision. And it's not mine. And I go, and that's, mm. and I, and I said, and I will not say it. I will not say those words. I go, you have to say it. And uh, I would have been like those fucking guys on the Titanic playing the violin. 
as the boat's going right. down. Right. I said, I'm not going to do it. And so she said it. She said, I think we should get divorced. And I went, okay. And that was it. Well, I'm sure it had to be hard, you know, to it say is. that too, you know, and yeah. to go through all that. Sure. I, and believe me, I, I still talk to her to this day. Yeah. We're still, we still talk all the time and well, not all the time, <laughs> fewer and fewer over the years, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, we still talk to her and I mean, she's, she's told me that she knows it was a mistake and that we should never have gotten divorced. And, and I go, yeah, <laughs> that's just where I leave it. I just leave it with. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I think I'm a better person now, and um, like I would never take her back. I'm a totally different person than I was. I was going to say, does does she have a different position on having kids or adopting or no? no. You know that whole. So I mean, it wouldn't. She's forty. Not that age is an issue, but she's forty eight. I'm forty four. Like we're not getting back together and fucking adopting four kids. Like it's just not. No, we're neither one of us are in a position to do that. And do you feel I, like the ship has sailed on that? Like for well, you speaking for yourself personally, yeah, you're like I'm yeah. not doing that now. I mean, the ship had sailed when we stopped doing IVF, mm-hmm. and we found out like she, you know, she said I don't want to do IVF anymore, and I was like, okay. And I mean, was I upset? Yeah, of course. I mean, I fucking when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a dad. You know, and um, and believe me, I think I've, you know, not that I've forced it upon my nephew because he he doesn't look at like, you know, he's not upset by anything. But I mean, like I've given as much fatherly advice to my nephew as I possibly could, you know, and as you should. Yeah. And I think he even sees me as like like he tells me all the time. He goes, I see you as a dad. And I'm like, well, I go, I'm a kind of a combination of a dad, older brother, you know, (laughs) but um. But that's not to take anything away. My brother's an amazing dad. So it's like, it's not like I'm replacing an asshole father, you know, like right, he's, right. he's a good, he's a good, he's a great dad. So it's a bonus dad. It is. I'm a bonus dad. Yes. And you know, and the cool thing is come my two dads. It is my well, we, <laughs> a remake. Yeah. We have two, a, uh, a remake of that. It's not in uh, Massachusetts. Yes. We're kind of a two and a half men, but you know, <laughs> I always say neither one of us is, um, Charlie, uh, well, Charlie, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, my brother's Alan, and I'm the maid there. Well, who's her name like Edna or uh, something? Bertha, no, is <laughs> it Bertha? Oh, shit. but yeah, so she died recently. That actress, yeah, I feel like it hasn't yeah, been that course. long ago, okay. <laughs> So Berta, I think it was Berta. Berta, that sounds right. Yes. Yeah, Berta. Good yeah. job, good pull. Mm-hmm. God. The only other thing I had to ask you about, Keithy, was uh, the thing that connects us all, of course, and that's professional wrestling. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I don't really know your fan origin story. Oh, I will tell you that. However, there was something, and I do want to say this because. This is something I had texted you guys, and I told you said you were going to make a note of. Um, so one of the biggest things that I was upset about, and this is when I got divorced, was that I had so many good stories about because I'm a storyteller, and I yes. have so many good stories that involve my wife and I, and like certain things of bodily function wise. Um, and okay, we're a big fan of that. Yeah, and they're all me. They're not her. Like they're me. Okay. But um. 
the one I was thinking I was telling you guys about the other day is I go, I said, I could tell you guys about the time I shit myself. And you were like, please. <laughs> and so and it involves Emily. So when we first got married, we only had one car, right? And it was my car. I had a, I had a Honda Fit. And um, she had a lease and the lease was up and she just said, oh, she, there was a, it doesn't matter why we only had one car. We only had one car. So I used to have to drive her and pick her up from work. And because uh, we both worked in Watertown, we lived in Watertown. It was easy. So I got out of work at like, well, I used to get out of work at four, but I also used to kind of come home and work from home like half of the day as well. Um, Cause like my managers weren't in the office ever. So they were in Maine. So like I could leave. So I, at four o'clock, what I would do is I would usually like sit on my chair and I'd play like PlayStation until like five. She worked until five. And even then she used to work till like five thirty, six. like, you know, she would work. So um, I'd wait for her to call me. So I'm playing PlayStation one day and I trusted a fat and I shouldn't have. Oh, no. <laughs> and I pooed myself. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> And it was one of those like it was one of those like emergency poos where you're like it was like the emergency fight where you go oh, and then you're like uh oh so thankfully yeah. there was thankfully yeah. there was no external damage to any of the furniture or anything like that it didn't it didn't, uh, didn't go penetrate through. yeah it didn't penetrate yeah. the final layer so I go into the bathroom and I'm like ah oh, this is not good so I'm like all right I'm gonna have to take a shower so I took a shower right yeah There's like, nothing four. you can do at that point yeah like I yeah so I took a shower. And I go to pick her up, and my hair was still wet because I still had a full head of hair at the time. And she goes, why is your hair wet? And I said, oh, I just took a shower. And she just looked at me deadpan, and she went, did you shit yourself? <laughs> and I like, just that's went, the only possible reason. And I went, take a why, why would you think that I did that? And she goes, could you never take a shower at, like, four in the afternoon? And I was like. I did shit myself. And she goes, ah, Jesus. She goes, Jesus Christ, Keith. And I was like, I well. So I remember when we were, I remember like one time we were, it was, we were driving home from like marriage counseling. And I think we had, I think it might've even have been like the, it might've even been the one where we decided we were going to break up. And I remember like looking at her being like, now I have to come up with all new fucking stories. And she's like, seriously, that's your take home from this? <laughs> and I was like, well, it's a big part of my fucking identity. <laughs> like, all of my jokes were around you. <laughs> like, So, yeah. I, but, you know, <clears throat> I, I, where I thought you were going with that was you um, shit yourself in the leased car <laughs> on the way to, like, take it back, you know, at the end of the lease or something. And <laughs> just, like, that eh, was the least vehicle anyway. Yeah. Whatever their problem no. now, you know. It definitely, it definitely wasn't that fun. No, it was well, just, like, it was, just. It was more of just. It was just. It was more or less just like how she caught me, like with that, and just that mm -hmm. was like it was just a total perfect like Emily thing to catch me, and I was just like, yeah. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> thought she was going to be like, were you fucking somebody else, and you had no, to take a shower, that, and then you you, you had to wash her off your body. No, I had shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, that was the thing is like at the time, like there was no way she would have thought that I would like have ever cheated on her. Like, and it's so funny too, because like, right, like she asked me, cause we, you know, we had kind of stopped having sex and stuff like that. Cause it was just, you know, just, that's what happens usually when the marriage ends. And she had said something to me about, I think you, she goes, I think you're cheating on me. And I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, we never have sex. I go, I'm always pestering you for sex you never want to have sex with me and she goes 
well, are you sleeping with somebody else? And I go, who the fuck do you think is banging down my door? I go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, Emily, I've had sex with four women in my life. And one of them was a fucking one night stand. I go, are you fucking out of your mind? I still only had sex with four women in my life. One of them is a full on lesbian. Uh, now. Um, another one was a one night stand. You turned her. I did. Yeah. And then one of them was my ex-wife and the other one was my high school girlfriend. Like it was just, there you I was go. Like, yeah, I'm not a very, I'm not a Latin lover. That's for sure. So, mm. uh, but besides that, um, you had talked about wrestling. So real quick, I can do this real quick. So it was the first show I ever watched, believe it or not, was the 1991 Royal Rumble. Um, my dad had a black box. You guys remember what those were? I've heard yeah. tell of yeah. them, but I don't yeah. know what that means, so actually. Just, I'm just surprised. Just, that seems late to get into it. it. it very late. Um, I mean, don't forget, I was 11. Nah, sure. Was I 11? Yeah, I was 11. So, um, yeah, 90, yeah, 79 I was born. So, yeah, um, I wasn't 11 yet, maybe. No, I was 11. Anyway. Regardless. 10 going on 11. 10, 11, 12, whatever I was. So, anyway, it was 1991. My dad had a scrambler. So scramble was just an, it was an additional cable box that you would attach to your cable box. And it descrambled all like the pay channels. So you got, you got like all HBO, you got Showtime, Cinemax, Playboy channel, Spice channel, which was an even oh, better yeah. version of Playboy. And then you could also get pay-per-views, you know, that would run on. So you could watch boxing, wrestling, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. So my brother had invited his friend Leo over to watch the Rumble. And because Leo was a big wrestling fan and my brother was kind of like a tertiary wrestling fan. He wasn't really a big fan either. But um, and they were upstairs in my it was in my parents' bedroom. So they were up in my parents' bedroom watching the, the rumble. And I think I came up just wanting to be hanging out with my brother and his friend Leo. I came up and uh, and Leo was really funny. So that's why I liked Leo, because he was really he made me laugh. So I was like, oh, let me go upstairs and hang out with Leo and Brian. And I went upstairs and I walked in. And Barbarian was wrestling the boss man. And I was like, what is this? And I sat and I watched it for a little bit. And then it was the, the oh! moment <laughs> was when fucking Randy Savage hit the warrior with the scepter. Oh, yeah. And I just went, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was, it was like hooks were in and that was it. And, um, and then I remember we went, I didn't watch WrestleMania, but Leo taped it. And gave it to me. And then I remember we went to his house for SummerSlam. My brother took me to my first. It's funny. Pete and I went to the our first live WWF show was the same exact show. It was at the Garden. That's was, so sweet. Yeah, it was April. It was April of 91. The main event was Hogan fought Slaughter. And it was like a Desert Storm match. And um, Barbarian fought the Barbarian fought Bret Hart to a time limit draw. Um, like it's 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 that's the but that was the first live show that both of us went to was April of ninety one. I mean, I'm a eleven. My brother had just turned sixteen, and he's mm -hmm. bringing his brother into Boston. We went on the train into Boston to go see it at the Garden, and um, that was my first live show. And then, thankfully, my local video store had every Coliseum video. And oh, I sure. went and I spent the entirety of 1991 renting and watching over and over and over again, those videos. Yeah. And I watched every single video. And then I started going to, we had a little, 
a little like a little you know newsstand. It was uh, Robinson's News Agency in Linden Square, and they had all the um the after mags. They had Inside Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and um I would I bought every single one of them, so I learned all about WCW, Memphis or Memphis was USWA Global. Mm-hmm friggin i think wccw was still, may have still even been in business maybe but like everything and i read every article and i totally bought into like kayfabe for like the first two years of my life and uh yeah i mean it was just that and it was it it, it was the obsession that i needed at that point because i mean at that point i wasn't obsessed about anything like i like mm-hmm. ninja turtles and the real ghostbusters and that was about it because <laughs> i wasn't because i wasn't into sports taste, I but, well yeah. i didn't like sports at time. and i think i've told tim, sports, yeah. i've told tim before that like i um nobody read comics that i knew so mm-hmm. i didn't have anybody to help that me surprises with, like, me in 91 yeah. like God, shit would have been getting really hot. But um, nobody, but nobody read anything. Like the only comic that man. I had ever read at that point was Death of Superman, because everybody God, read. You were deprived, right? Well, so yeah. I, mean, I mean, that was kind of when shit started well, going in the opposite direction, right? Where it was yeah. after that, you were sort of like, oh, okay, this was a gimmick. Like everything's yeah. a gimmick. And <laughs> but then I, but well, and I remember I was telling, I was just telling a guy this weekend. I was talking about it, and um, I was saying that we had a new England comics was our comic shop in Malden. And like, you'd go down there and the guy was like the comic book nerd. Like he didn't want to, uh, <laughs> you know, he would rush you out if you didn't know what you, so like nobody ever taught me like, you know, not that you have to be taught how to read comics, but you kind of have to, you know, it's and, better uh, you if of, you are. Yeah. You, you sort of do need, um, yeah, it, it start it does sort of start out as a, a social activity, right? Yeah. Where yeah. And God, someone to educate you to some extent i mean right and then god knows i definitely wouldn't have been able to open up at school because i was like i was trying to be invisible at fucking at grade school and in junior high you know Mm because i didn't even want anybody to know who i was and uh so i was like there was no way for me to do that so wrestling kind of was wrestling did break out break me out a little bit like i remember there was a kid i was friends with in seventh grade that liked wrestling we both had uh, the Hasbro figures. We both had our own little Hasbro Wrestling Federation. Um, I remember when my brother bought the Mr. Perfect Hasbro figure, and he used to say, and it's so funny, it's like thinking back of it. Like my brother was like, "This is my figure." He's like, "Don't, don't lose it." And he's like, "You can use it, but you have to put it back in my room at the end of the day." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, okay." And, um. I brought it over to my friend Matt's house, and he was like, "Can I borrow?" And it? these things, to keep, let's keep in mind, that looking back, these things barely qualified as action figures. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. yeah. One move. That they were very it. limited. And and Matt goes, "Can I borrow it?" And I was like, "For what?" He's like, "I want to have it on a on my pay per view." And I was like, "Matt, you got to promise me you give it back to me. It's not mine. It's my brother's." And Matt fucking stole it from me. Like he told me the like what? some girl. He told me like some girl came in and. She said, "What's this?" And he goes, "Oh, it's Keats." And she was like, "It's Keats, fuck him!" And she like threw it out the window, and it broke. Wait, like, what? Yeah, and then it's, and I was what like, a fucking dumbass lie yeah. that is. Yeah, and I was like, and then I remember like going over to his house like after that and seeing a Mister Perfect. I was like, "Where'd you get this?" And he was like, "Oh, my mother found it at like Katie Toys." I was like, "You fucking dick!" <laughs> and I was like, "What a fucking I asshole!" That shit back. Yeah, I think I did steal it back. I was like, "Fuck you!" I'm taking <laughs> this back, and um. Yeah, I was like, you're a dick. But yeah, 
he was an asshole. That kid was a dick. Like he was oh, like that kid. There was always yeah. some kid like that who would just like take your shit if they had an opportunity. You know, it was well, like it was... what values are you learning at home where you just think because well, <laughs> like have well, and then... what the fuck is wrong with you? And then like in seventh seven... well, some kids would just blatantly be like, Can I have this? And it's like, No, you can't yeah. fucking have this. What the hell kind of question is that? Well, like in seventh grade too, you like normally so... say yes to that question. Like, where do you get the idea you could I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, some kids do do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Right? Do they that, still yeah. do that? Like that's terrible. Yeah, it's a thing. It's funny you mention that. One of my nephew's oh, friends, shitheads. One of my nephew's friends stole one of his Lego minifigures, and like my nephew, and like my, and it was like a Lego fi- minifigure that like I think is kind of expensive now. And what? my nephew was like, he went over to his friend's house one. He actually stole a bunch of them. Like he stole multiple Lego minifigures. Fuck that kid. And, and my nephew went over to his house one day and he was like, dude, where'd you get all because my nephew, he's like a fucking tack. He he knows who has what. And so my nephew was in this kid's room and he was like, Wait a minute, you don't have Captain Rex. And he's like, Yeah, I do. He's like, No, you don't. And so he came home and he told his dad, he goes, I think that fucking guy well, he didn't say he goes, I think, I think so and so stole some of my Lego figures. And my brother called his dad and he was like, I think we have a problem. And he was like, Oh man. He goes, he goes, did he do that again? So my oh, brother's like, yeah, yeah. My brother's like, so you know, the first time he yeah. goes, so you know, this is an issue. And he was like, yeah. And like a, like a saint though, my nephew was like, nah, I'm not going to fucking hold his feet to the fire. Like he got his Legos back, but he's still friends with them. He's still one of his best friends now. Mm. And he's like, I didn't hold his feet to the fire. He's like, I just, he's like, you know, it gives me an opportunity to bust his chops every once in a while. Damn. Yeah. 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 I had some kids steal like all my GI Joes at daycare, which I didn't even have that many GI Joes. And I didn't even really know that he stole them until like the next day when he like randomly gave them back and was like, my mom said I had to give these back. And I was like, uh. (laughs) <laughs> not sure I knew you had him in the first place. Listen, just just, just remember uh, then. Thanks for stealing my shit. Just Dumb remember man. the great Asshole. song. By, just remember Jane's Addiction, man. Ben caught stealing. It's a great song. Yeah. When I want something, I want. Asshole. You're gonna fucking take it. But yeah, yeah, that kid was a dick though. Because like I used to, because we used to write, we used to do, we used to book pay per views. <clears throat> With our Hasbro figures. So, like, I had, like... Oh, sure. Yeah. I had books of, like, pay-per-views that I had. I had pay-per-views every month. Before WWF did, I had them every month. And um, I'd bring them to, like, school, like, junior high. And I'd give it to... His name was Matt. I'd give it to Matt. And I'd be like, dude, what do you think about this cod? And I'd give it to him. And he would, like, go to class. And he would show all the kids that I, like, wrote this card out. And, like... What and then everybody, yeah, and then everybody would bust my balls. Like the next class, they'd be like, "He's fucking playing with his little, his little fucking wrestling figures," and I was like, "Wow!" I'm like, "Well, I can't play with anybody else, so I gotta play with something." <laughs> yeah, don't say that. That's not a good comeback. Well, no, I didn't say that. I mean, I just was okay. like, I didn't, I didn't have a comeback really. I was like, uh, okay. But that's all right. That's all right. Cause yeah. yeah, Cause I used to, Matt and I used to wrestle and I was, I was a little bit stronger. That's, didn't I tell you guys the the kid I DDT'd in wrestling class? Remember I told you guys when I do vaguely remember that. Yes. When I went, all right. You shoot shoot DDT this kid. Well, so it was seventh grade. (laughs) We signed up for wrestling because we figured let's sign up for wrestling. And um, the coach, like we did like a week of calisthenics. That was it. 
And then like we finally we finally learned how to do like the roll, like the roll of the arm to like begin to flip the person over or whatever. And so mm. the guy, the coach is like, all right, we're gonna scrimmage. We're like, fucking scrimmage what? Calisthenics. We didn't learn anything. So he pairs me with Matt because we were kind of like the same size. And he's like, all right, and we get on the mat, and Matt fucking charges at me to give me a spear like fucking edge style. And I just instinctively, I fucking DDT him. Like, <laughs> like full, like I fucking, I fucking. Or Anderson I, style. I fucking Jake Roberts, man. I fucking DDT him <laughs> full on. And I got up oh, and I just, man. and I got up and the coach just took the two of us and he goes, all right, Hulk Hogan, get the fuck out of here. And he threw us out. <laughs> and he threw the two of us out. And I had. Amazing. My guys at the cigar shop love that fucking story. <laughs> they ask, they tell every once in a while, they'll be like, Keith, tell the fucking DDT story again. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I DDT. So I got him back. I fucking DDT'd him on the mat. Fuck yeah. That was always the move that, I mean, it was, it's such a cool move anyway, yeah. but it's like, especially for kids, like it's such an easy thing to do. Sure. That I had a friend, one of my few friends who was also into wrestling. When I got back into it, this would have been, like in high school, I want to say around ninth ninth grade, um, he shoot DDT'd his brother on the sidewalk. Oh shit! <laughs> like really, kind of fucked him up. There was one time we were wrestling in his room. He was a big Raven Mark, so he was like, "Yeah, I just you know got a little carried away." Well, he was. He, we were wrestling in his bedroom one time, and he had like he had like the old iron radiators. You know, or steel radiator mm -hmm. there, and he fucking whacked his head on a radiator, and he fell on top. Like he full on knocked himself <laughs> out, fell on top of me. I was like, "Man, I can't breathe." <laughs> I was like, "Get off of me!" Damn. Yeah. No, we were. It was good. I mean, he was. He was. He was all right for what what it was. I didn't have any other friends. <laughs> it was like I needed one friend. Well. Yeah. So, but I mean, and also I was that at all. <laughs> I was always a friggin'. I always loved the heels. I never liked Hogan. I never liked Warrior. Yeah, um, heels, baby. I was a heel. I mean, I, I mean, the uh, tweener heels because I loved, mm -hmm. I loved Savage. I loved Jake Roberts. Oh yeah, um, heel Jake Roberts. Yeah, well, when he turned heel Trust in '91, me. oh my mm -hmm. god. But then, like, I liked. I, it's funny. Pete laughs at this. I liked Brett until he lost his Intercontinental title, and then he started bitching about how he wanted his belt back. And I, <laughs> Brett and Hart I, bitching about something. Come on. And I fucking hated Brett for years because I was a huge Shawn Michaels mark. Like when mm. Michaels kicked Marty Jannetty and then threw him through the window, it was like the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> and um, damn, even better was when, so they were at the Garden and it was right after like Diesel had come in. And the match was, it was Shawn Michaels and Diesel against, I think it was one, two, three kid and Marty Jannetty. And it could have been like Marty Jannetty, Mister Perfect, though I forget who it was. But like, I was I was like four or five rows from the ringside. Like I had ringside seats, and I'm standing on my chair. And Mar Michaels and Diesel are in the corner, and I'm standing on my chair and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, like Shawn Michaels, you're the fucking best guy, you're the best. <laughs> and and at this is like he's a full heel, like no one's cheering oh, yeah. for him, right? He's a dickhead. And yeah. he fucking he elbows Diesel. He points at me and he fucking gives me a nah, like a thumbs up and he was like, Yeah, kid. And I was like, <laughs> and I, I almost fell out of the chair. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, that's the greatest. That was the greatest moment of my life at that point. Oh my God. John to this day, me, probably. John Michaels gave me a thumbs up. When I met him at the fucking Bayside Expo Center like years later, 
this was like it's like 2016 i was like it was like 2017 actually i went I said, oh, man, you know what? You fucking gave me a thumbs up when I was, like, 14 years old at the God. And he, was, like, <laughs> he just fucking stared at me with his wonky eye. <laughs> oh, that's nice, kid. I'm like, oh, kid, my God. Fucking 40 years old, kid. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it was great. Fucking great. I saw great. Shawn Michaels at a, uh, this was at a house show in probably 1997. Um, early in the the DX stuff, right? So he's he's in the ring, cross chopping or whatever. Got hit square between the eyes with a battery. I don't know. <laughs> oh just, fuck! You saw it go flying out from the crowd. That's awesome. Just hit him right between the fucking eyes. That's awesome. And I just got to figure. You know, that's got to be that guy's experience for the most part. Sure. <laughs> Being a heel, so I guess he appreciated that somebody had his back. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I fucking loved John Michaels, dude. He was, like, my favorite. I fucking loved him. You know? Mm. And then it went just right from there. I mean, it went right on. I mean, I remember, like, I went from Shawn Michaels to, like, Mick Foley. Like, I remember when, dude, when they started the Mankind vignette. Because remember, I watched WCW because I started watching, like, we had TBS and TNT and stuff. Mm. So I was well intimate with Cactus Jack. Like, I knew everything about him. And so when I saw him start doing the vignettes, I was like, holy shit. I go, that's fucking Cactus Jack. I go, oh, fucking business is about to pick up in the WWF. <laughs> and then he comes in and he starts fucking with The Undertaker. I was like, oh. So when his first book came out, um, he was at a, uh, wasn't a Michaels. He was at like a, like a, like a JCPenney, TJ Maxx, whatever. Like, you know, like mm. one of those things. And um, he was signing autographs and my brother's, my brother's girlfriend at the time had a friend that worked there and she said, there's a huge line, but if you come in, we're letting people just shop and they can come in and shop and then they're supposed to leave. But if you come in and shop or pretend like you're shopping, you can sneak into the line. So I snuck into line and uh, it was great too, because it was one of those things where they had the barricade with, um, you know, like the, like at the bank, they have the ribbons that snap back into the pole. Mm-hmm. I fucking got underneath and I hit the thing and the fucking thing went zip and like fucking made a loud sound. <laughs> Everybody just turned and looked at me and I was like, sorry. But the person behind me didn't fucking say anything, which was cool. I thought they were pretty cool. So, yeah. So we went and uh, I mean, I so was. So when you got to the front of the line, he said, I'm sorry. I have to keep the line moving. No, no. That's why way. I laugh. That's why I laugh at Grooney because I got up there and I was, I froze and I looked <laughs> at him and I went, how do you how do you do it, man? <laughs> and he just I was like, hi, and I was like a freshman and was I no, was I a sophomore in college? Maybe like a third year. I might have been my third year, and I was like, How do you how do you do it, man? And he's like, I'm 20, 20, 21, maybe, and I'm like mm-hmm. 20. I'm like, he goes, I don't know. He looked at his he looked at whoever he was with. It was probably like the his um agent or whatever, and he just looked at him, he goes, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, Lots of lots of Tylenol. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, Mick Foley just said something to me. <laughs> like, fucking <laughs> creaming myself. Like, so fucking stupid. But I was like, I just wanted him so bad to fucking stick Mr. Stocko in my mouth and fucking give me the mandible claw. I was like, please, just beat the shit out of me, please. So, yeah. I've met him like so five you, times. You didn't get to ask him. You did not get to ask him what you really wanted to ask him, which was, did he really leave uh, Bob Holly at yes. the airport? No, yeah. and I or think Al like Snow I, or whoever it was. 
Yeah, and I've, I mean, I met him like I've met him so many other times because he's always at like comic cons and shit like that. And mm-hmm. I think when I went to his, um, I, and I went to the tour, the uh, the Hell in the Cell tour that he did like a couple years ago. And uh, when I met him, then I went up and I was like, "Hey, Mick," I go, I go, I've, I'm like, th- I'm like, dude, every time I meet you, man, it's a fucking awesome experience. I go, you're just like the coolest fucking guy. And he was like, oh, thanks. That's really nice. And I took a picture with him and had him sign something. And I was like, so, so excited. Like, oh, you know. yeah, he's a great guy. Like, you know, yeah, he I is love... a great guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had some pretty decent um, wrestler experiences. I'm psyched about the WrestleCon this year, though, because yeah, that'll be fun. This will be like one of my I remember one time, like Hulk Hogan was at like a world's gym and my friend wanted to go and we drove and I was like. Eh, the line's too long. And I fucking left. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and my friend goes, dude, it's fucking Hulk Hogan. I went, fucking hack. I go, kiss. It's like, he's not well, Ric Flair. Some, be- some people can keep a line moving and others can't. So. <laughs> but I thought, it, he it's thinks it's so, I, he just thinks it's really funny that I was like, nah, we don't need to see Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like, of all people, like, Hulk Hogan's like one of the biggest stars of all time. And I was like, nah, eh, fuck that guy. Well, <laughs> I mean, a lot do. of people might feel that way, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim, yeah. did you have any more questions for Keithy before we let him go? Uh, no, I, I think I'm quite satisfied with um, okay. with what did we I, learned tonight. Do you, do you yeah. feel I like entertained and informed? I, I'd absolutely say both of those things, as you mm-hmm. always do, Keithy. Yeah, I know. I try. I try my damnedest. So thank you for having me on. Oh no! Great. Thank you for so having for coming on and tell us uh, where we can find you at. So, as you said earlier, um, on the North South Connection Podcast Network, I do a la carte with Keithy um, every other Friday. A new episode comes out, so be on the lookout for a new one coming out soon. Um, you can hear me every week on GFA Live. So, if you search for Greetings from Allentown on your podcast podcatcher app, you can find me and Petey Winson. And uh, also, I appear on. One of the things I don't always promote a lot is that you can usually hear me once or twice a week on the Place to Be Nation pop feed for the pop video jukebox song of the day. And it's uh, one of the things Mm -hmm. I like to do because a lot of times I give like, you know, the Billboard chat information, some song facts about the songs. And I always try to pick a song that's a little not necessarily less known, but maybe that not everybody hears about or hears a lot, you know. So I try to be I try to do a little bit more. Deep, deep dive with those songs that I pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can hear me on, as you said, Exposition, uh, <laughs> which I seem to be just showing up every friggin' episode. Flash. I don't think you've missed an episode yet. I so. have not. Which, no, just the just the pilot, yeah. which was just the two of you. Uh, right. Well, but, we didn't even invite anyone else on no. for that. So. <laughs> but I do like coming on that because it is a topic of, of, of passion that I like. And uh, also, I love the two of you. So, you know, I would do anything Aww. that... Well, I mean, as you know, I love to promote stuff that's on the Jenny position. Because you do. I you know, appreciate that. Talking docs, talking pop, exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the GC dub? GC dub. GC dub, the mm-hmm. game-changing podcast. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just everything that, I mean, Jenny's Jenny's my, Jenny's like my, I feel like you're my sister at this point. I love you so much. You're like, oh, I love you. You're yeah. the best. So See, this, it's a Virgo Libra relationship. That's right. It is. Yeah. Non-sexual mm-hmm. so far. Yes. Well, <laughs> so far. 
unless unless y'all know something I don't. But <laughs> no, I definitely keep, you can keep no. that to yourself. I think if Jenny, if Jenny, and you don't have to, but Jenny, if you ever got Jenny. if you ever got frisky with me, I'd be confused. <laughs> I'd be like, frisky. wait, what? Frisky. I'd get very confused, and I'd probably like get very sad. And like, like, this is my sister. What is happening? I'd be like crawling mm. into a hole. I'd be like, no, Jenny, we're just we're family. Okay. But, All right. you know, but that's uh, yeah. And then just anybody that wants to reach out to me on the on the artist formerly known as Twitter, Flounder A two four. And uh, I just to tell you, I was just to let you guys know, there have been a lot of people who are talking a lot about my World War One podcast that they want me to do. All right, well that'll be coming uh, soon. I yeah would be one of those people. I I'm in the yeah, market for me that. Me too. Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. So I feel like I I feel like I'm getting I'm getting called out on it now. So I think I have to produce something <laughs> with that. I need to hear all about. Mustard gas and trench warfare. Kaiser Wilhelm. Kaiser Wilhelm. Yes. Yes. Well, be on the lookout. And, uh, and Tim, trench do you foot. have? Do you Sorry. have any historical base podcasts coming out soon? Trench foot. Uh, trench foot. I would say that all of my podcasts are historical based because uh, uh, you never know. Different. You never know which one will. Be the last. Um, <laughs> wow, that sounded ominous. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. It's a smidge. But they're I all based in history, really. So they all do exist on the spectrum of history that um, <laughs> surrounds us all. That we all live in the holy timeline. History mm, is a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Keith mentioned one of them, that being Exposition, which uh, is carried right here on the Jenny position by way of North-South Connection. Uh, X-Men-based podcast most recently talked about the first movie from the year 2000. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you like hearing the three of us on this show, you can hear the three of us talk some X-Men, which Hell was yeah. a lot of fun for me. Beyond that, uh, I would just say look for me on the artist formerly known as Twitter. I am Syke68CYKE68. And yeah, that'll probably cover it for now. All right. I think Keithy uh, already hit on all my shows. Well, not all, but most of my shows. Uh, also, you can find me on the Extreme Three Way Dance going through the history of ECW. And we're in 1999 right now. So listen to those episodes. And then I have a new project coming up very soon. You can find it on the Kings of Sports. Uh, the first episode is going to be free. After that, we're behind their paywall on Patreon. Um, this show is called Avenge Hers Initiative. It is based on the female characters of the MCU. And it is hosted by myself, my friend Nate Milton, and our friend Brittany Monet. And uh, so that drops on March 8th. So I hope that... Y'all can listen to that and maybe subscribe to King's Sport if you're so inclined to do so uh, to support that show and the other shows that they have there on their network. Uh, they're friends of ours and um, hopefully friends of yours soon. So thank y'all for listening and we'll see you next time for another Talk Pop.
Joe never once gave it away. Everybody had to pay and pay. A hustle here and a hustle there. New York City is the place where they said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. I said, hey, Joe, take a walk on the wild side. Sugar Pump Fairy came and hit the streets Looking for soul food and a place to eat Went to the Apollo, you should have seen him go, go, go They said, hey, sugar, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side All right huh. Just speeding away Thought she was James Dean for a day Then I guess she had to crash Valium would have helped that fashion I said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey honey, take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls say Do, 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 do Thank <laughs> you. 